You are listening to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehaus. Episode 47. Hello, hello, my lovely friend, and welcome to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehaus, interior designer, artist, mama, scientist, color specialist, and space coach, here to help you navigate the beautiful messiness of raising strong, thriving daughters while you discover the path to a home that inspires you. You will learn to design gorgeous, peaceful spaces inside and out that you can be proud of and love coming home to. Each week, we will explore how individuality and practicality create the harmony our souls crave. Let's dive in, my dear, to all of our beautiful Before we dive into this episode, uh, this episode is a long one and it's because it's something that's really important and something that I feel like by taking charge, we have something to really do something about. So if you're planning on listening to this episode in two parts, and I almost divided it up into, into two parts, except that the information that I have at the very end of this podcast is timely, and it would be too late um, for me to get that information out to you if I broke this up into two week episodes. So if you need to just listen to the first part, um, be sure to fast forward to the the one hour mark, actually, it's a couple minutes, I would say an hour and five minutes. um, And um, see if sleep is really something that you need help with. Um, Please, please, please fast forward to that part and um, see what I have going on to help you with that. Because uh, like I said, it's it's time sensitive. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome. How are we today? How did you sleep last night? reason I'm asking you that is because on today's episode, I'm going to dive into the different ways both in your design and in your habits that you can improve the quality and quantity of your sleep. And the reason I wanted to do this, there's a couple reasons. One I'm going to get to at the, um, at the very end of this recording But so many times, one of the things that I'm able to do um, from afar as a designer, and one of the reasons that I structured my business in the way that I have over the last couple years is because bedroom design is often neglected by adults and it's often a focal point and even a point of contention for our children. So it runs that whole spectrum of, or covers that whole spectrum of uh, being a place where we spend a lot of energy from, you know, just think how important it is to set up a great nursery. And then, you know, as your child starts to come into their own their own ideas and starts to shape themselves as a person and wants to have a say in what their bedroom looks like or if it's 
it's just become a chaotic mess and you feel like you need to change and you are looking for guidance either from them um, or from outside on how to pull it together and make it more organized and more aesthetically pleasing. And then so many times for grown-ups, for especially couples, they the bedroom is the last place when they, especially when they purchase a home and it's a busy family, it's really the last place that they do in their home, you know, that they design other than, you know, just buying a comforter set or maybe some bedroom furniture. They don't really put a lot of effort into it. But oddly enough, when I'm working with women who are recently divorced, and especially the products of particularly con- contemptuous divorces, um, it's the first place they want to do. And it's just in the salute, you know, I found that it's just really honoring that divine feminine and we can, um, we can really make it true to them and really make it very special. So it's funny how it almost comes full circle. Um, even that one of my favorite projects of all times, and even when I was, um, when I my design camps, one of the very first images I show is a bedroom that I did for a client when she was redoing her space after her husband of many, many, many years had passed away. And she just, she had a vision, but she had a really limited budget and she wanted help pulling it together and creating that vision without she knew she wasn't going to be in that house for a real for a long time so she didn't want to buy all new furniture invest a whole lot of money in this space she just wanted to complete her vision and it was a project that I loved working on I loved working on it so much and as I was working through it it reminded me of times in my life when I felt like I was bootstrapping and doing the best I could with what I had available and the times that I did that most successfully was when I was helping my daughters create their vision as well so this is a place where everything comes together and we are going to focus on sleep more than any other part of what you do in your bedroom because in all honesty the bedroom has to perform a lot of different functions especially for for young people um, where their whole life is sort of centered in there and all of their stuff and you know everything is but the most important thing that needs to happen in our bedroom is sleep so we're going to talk about color and design and layout to some extent but we're also going to talk about some of the physical things that you can do to improve your sleep both before and, and in the process of, of bedtime. And it's funny because one of the things that we find so useful for little people whose systems are so easily overstimulated because of 
just their neurological makeup. Um, We know that, you know, children's skin is more sensitive, children's digestive systems are more sensitive, and children are a lot more, their nervous systems are much easier to overstimulate. And the reason that is, is because you're born with many, many, many more neurons than you have as your neurological system develops. And what happens is these extra neurons that you have over time fine tune themselves based on your experiences so that you get a much you're able to live in society in a way that's much um, more suited to you. It's sort of the individualization of your body's makeup, of your genetics makeup, your genetic makeup. And it's, it's one of the parts of growing up that our body does really well if we do it in an environment that's supported. And it's also one of the things that in the environment that we are living in now with a lot of technological stimulation, a lot of um, processed food stimulation, all of those things can contribute to that off balance in our nervous systems that we see exacerbated or even exaggerated um, in the younger population. And then they man- it manifests itself into um, some you know, a lot of different things as we age. And one of that is the loss of the ability to sleep well. So even, you know, we've seen like a crying, screaming baby suddenly fall instantly into a deep, deep, deep sleep. And and they look as peaceful and as rested as they could possibly be. And that's the reason that that's the way that our bodies compensate for that overstimulation. But once it gets to a certain point, um, you know, (laughs) we're usually not allowed to cry and scream and throw temper tantrums, which is also a really good release for our body um, for all of that for, you know, that anxious buildup. Um, it's not really socially acceptable to do that before bed anymore. So over time, as that becomes, you know, sort of the, it, our bodies have to absorb it in a different way. So we're not only going to talk about the things that we can do to improve the quality and quantity of our sleep. We're going to talk about some things that we can eliminate um, and things that we can tweak because tweaking is always the best way to do anything in my book because simple changes can often make a very big result. Now, one of the reasons that I launched my business a couple years ago with the particular focus on the mother-daughter relationship goes back to what I had noticed about a year I before I left my full-time job. I became consciously an observer of something that was happening over and over. And I've mentioned this several times before. And part of that was this desire of you know parents bringing their children into the paint store, the design center of this paint store that I ran, and ha- the 
the the process that they went through to pick wall color to repaint the room and just starting to take notice of some of the things that parents said to me and then allowing them to go through this filter of experience and seeing what was coming out on the other side. In the few instances where I had a mother come in looking for something or a mother bring her daughter in and we got into a conversation and I was brought into the process of helping them create their vision, it always went so well. It was so nice to be part, to to be the mediator in that conversation to help them both get the results that made them feel heard and valued and everyone's needs being met or at the very least everyone being understood. And so oftentimes that meant that what they were looking for what they thought they were looking for was a little bit different than what they ended up with. Because the point was always to get to the vision. The point was always to get to meeting the individual needs in the room and pulling it all together in a way that felt good and worked. And sometimes people came in with that overstimulation aspect of design which we've all fallen into where there's you see you go out there in search of inspiration and find so many different things that you like and want to try and incorporate them in a small space it's really easy to get off track so distilling everything down to what's most important and really honoring the person that's in that space was the goal, is the goal, is always the goal, or or the people in that space, bringing them together and making sure everyone's needs are met. That's always where we want to end up, no matter what we're doing. And I saw these really good things happen. And then I also saw really, I'm going to say bad things happen. And bad is a relative term. But I saw, you know, working with so many millennial um, women who are are designing their homes for the first time and really feeling frustrated because they think that they don't see color well or they don't know how to pull things together. And they're saying those words to me, but then seeing a mother come in and, you know, bring her child in to pick out a color and then coming back two hours later and asking me to pick out a different color um, and then telling me that they're just going to tell her that they painted her room the color that that she picked out it just looks differently on the walls like all of that started to you know become light bulbs and I'm thinking oh my gosh no wonder people think that they don't you know how many years has this been going on so and there are a lot of other experiences too but all of it kind of comes together into this place of wanting to know how to create a truly restful bedroom space. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to hit on all of the different places, all of the different things that you can change to get to that place. I mentioned color to start with because so often that is something that 
people think about on the surface, but they don't bring it all together. Now, in episode three of the In Her Eyes podcast, I did an entire episode on color palettes and how different palettes, different combinations of color, depending on where they fall on the color wheel, can create a different effect. And by effect, I mean it in both the noun and the verb sense. Our nervous systems are the translator for every sense that we have. So our what our eyes see goes into our brain and it creates a response. It creates an effect. What our ears hear, what we smell, all of those things are translated through our nervous system. So when we're having a conversation about sleep and its power and its, its restorative power, we want to focus on our nervous system. So that's what we're going to do here. And that's the reason that color does play a role in what you're experiencing, even if you think, well, I'm asleep, it really shouldn't matter. In the process of going to sleep, you can expedite the process. You can make sure that the state you're in is optimal by looking at color. So like I mentioned, if you, um, if you want to go back to that, um, that color psychology training that I did on the color wheel where I explain what an analogous color palette is and you're looking to make some color changes in your room, that's a really great place to start. If you want to just take a quick visual of your room and look for some things that might be inhibitive of a, um, of feeling of restfulness, I encourage you to look for places that have a lot of contrast. Now, this is kind of hard because a lot of times just the bedding on our beds is full of contrast. And it's, you know, it became quite popular when, you know, bedding started coming in a bag and it was, you know, printed at all these different prints. It was it became really easy to feel like you were pulling a room together just by, you know, purchasing some bedding and, you know, plopping a color on the wall and feeling like, okay, this is done. And unfortunately, so much of the bedding on the market isn't really sleep. It isn't built for for creating an environment for sleep because it has bold, strong colors to it. Now, in the, from a design perspective, there are some ways to mitigate it if it's a pattern that you really love. There's ways to, you know, introduce that pattern or introduce um, those colors in a balanced way around the room to get more of a designed feeling while you still have some of that bold, bright color because 
And it's not necessarily just color as much as it is contrast. So sometimes you can have a pattern that has a lot of similar colors, like colors along that analogous color palette that we talked to get talked about before where you know three colors that are right side by side together on the color wheel they're not going to have as much contrast so they might have color without um over you know they might have color but they still feel very um soothing or they create a a sort of soothed response or a comfort response within the nervous system so anything in your room that's going to have a sharp contrast and one of the things that I try to help people shy away from is you know and it was one of the things that I experienced so often in girls rooms because for so long the you know what was normal was to pick a bright vibrant color for the wall and because it looks so pretty against the white bedroom suit that seemed to be the only thing on the market for so many years for girls and automatically you've created this strong contrast and it could look really pretty but I can't tell you the number of times that parents said to me you know I don't know why I'm even redoing this she doesn't even sleep in her room the way it is or she doesn't sleep in you know he doesn't sleep in his room he sleeps on the floor in our room and so many times parents talked about having done their room in a way that they thought was aesthetically pleasing and the child not sleeping in the room or the child not being able to sleep in the room and this is when I started to study started to look for the the research behind what wall color and what room color played on our ability to sleep in spaces and it's when I created my first course my power me up program where I helped people use strong color that they felt drawn to or even if it was more muted colors but they wanted to uh, put them in the space how to do that in a way that still created a balanced space and if you haven't already downloaded my bedroom planning guide um, that's on the episode webpage um, for this podcast, I highly encourage you to do that because it's kind of like the best of from that course is some of the best information, the most important things in that course, just pulled together in just a free guide that you can use to, you know, to get started if, if redoing your space is something that you're looking to do. But this goes beyond just redoing your space. That's not what we if you're not sleeping well, it doesn't mean you need to redo your bedroom. It means you just need to start by taking a look around, see if there's any places in there that you see that there's too much contrast or something feels out of alignment. The next place you need to look is the clutter. Clutter in, we're going to talk a little bit more about feng shui, but I think we all know, I don't think you would be here. Um, you certainly wouldn't have been with me for, you know, through this almost a year that this podcast has been in existence if you weren't physically affected by the stuff around you and you didn't want to make the changes that 
you feel like you feel compelled to make because of um, it, because it's something that makes you uncomfortable. It has been, it was one of the founding, it's one of the founding platforms of my business, helping people organize in a way that feels aligned with how they want to function. It's so important to me and it's so important to creating a restful space and whether it's restful on a whole, like just enjoying being in your home, but more importantly than any other place in your house, it's important to address the clutter in your bedroom and whether that's an always full laundry basket with clothes that never get put away or it's the not quite so dirty clothes that pile up on the chair or it's the boxes of things that never found a home that live on you know live under your bed Um, sometimes we think of pushing things out of sight as a way to deal with clutter but and and it's something i've been guilty of for sure but in, in feng shui, and I didn't know this until probably about a year ago, I was participating um, in what was called the Ugly Bedroom Challenge with um, my friend and designer, Jessica Velasquez, where um, she had a feng shui expert on there who I'd heard a couple times before. And this particular feng shui expert talks about just how impactful clearing out the space under your bed is or at the very very least making sure that what's under there is extremely organized and useful it's not something that's just shoved under there to be sort of out of sight out of mind if it's something that's going to be um used on a regular basis then it's okay for it to be under there so if it's you know something that's coming out seasonally um, that's okay if it's well taken care of and put there in a nice orderly way kind of sort of um, complete as opposed to in this state of transition and just giving you that feeling of sleeping without any of those little bits and pieces of things that we hold on to and keep with us every day you know the farther we push them back into the mind the more that they show up in ways that we might not see on a daily basis um, or that we might be seeing them on a we might be we might be seeing the effects of them um, in ways that we're not correlating so that's something um, that I had changed after the working with this one feng shui expert and realizing that was a place where I had I was I was not um, I I had a bad habit of just you know shoving some things under the bed because it seemed like a good storage place because I didn't actually have to look at them. So I made a point of cleaning out under all of the beds in the house just to help improve the sleep of everybody involved there. Layering your bed as opposed to just buying a comforter set um, and having one thing become the principal color for your room. It's 
it's really, it gives that invitation of going to sleep by creating a, a bed that's curated for how you sleep. So if you're, um, you know, you deal with different temperature changes through the night, it's important to make sure the sheets that you have on the bed, the blankets that you have on the bed, all the things that are on and around the bed work with the way that you work, work with the way that you sleep. So if you sleep hot, it's really important to invest in some sheets that might mitigate the heat. Bamboo is wonderful. I actually will pop a link to my favorite source for um, bamboo sheets and comforters and um, they even do bedding or not bedding. They even do like bed clothes, like pajamas and stuff, um, that just feel amazing. And so shifting our, you know, as little kids, we think of going to bed as something we have to do and we might fight against it. And I think we carry a little bit of that as long as we have things each day that feel a little bit left undone or out of sorts and if our bedroom represents that out of sorts nature of our life if it's a reflection of that one of the best ways to start small and I say start small because bamboo sheets can get a little costly you know they're they're a lot more than um, just going to home goods and picking up some sheets they are uh, they are an investment um, but if you improve the quality of every single day, so not so, it studies show that a, getting a good night's sleep not only results in healthier weight, healthier focus, like the uh, it extends the length of your focus and function in your daily life. It really is an investment that. I recommend and what you surround yourself with when you sleep is more important than what your bed looks like when it's made to me in my mind I feel like that's more important to feel comforted and taken care of when you're in that sleep mode than you know, when you get up in the morning and you're rushing and you're pulling everything together, um, it's it's more important to sleep contented. And good quality pajamas and good quality bedding will help you get to that place. One of the other things that I think we don't focus enough energy on, and I didn't make this connection until I was teaching my week-long sort of design boot camps that I was teaching for girls back in the heart of the pandemic. Almost every girl who came to my camp, and it was virtual, we were doing it, we were meeting each day on Zoom, talked about wanting plants in their room. And without a fault, the their mothers had given them pushback 
on it because they said they won't take care of them or they didn't get enough light or, you know, all the different reasons or they're messy or they'd spill on the floor when they were watering them. All these different reasons they didn't want plants in their room. And at the time, I didn't have any plants in my own room. Um, We had some poor quality blinds that we never really opened and closed. So even though our bedroom did get a fair amount of natural light, we didn't open the blinds enough because we weren't there during, you know, in daylight hours as much to, you know, let enough light in for plants to grow healthy and happy. And I hadn't really thought about it until these girls were asking for plants and I wanted to give them all the good reasons why plants would make their room so much better, especially because they were, you know, they were schooling in their rooms at this point. They were doing all of their hobbies in their rooms. Um, They couldn't have friends over really anymore. So they um, just plants as almost like a companion. Um, I have lots of friends that talk to their plants and their plants thrive. So all of the reasons that I wanted to give them and help them and just a strategy for keeping plants healthy and happy in their rooms, it made me think, wait a minute, I need these in my room too, because first and foremost, plants improve the quality of the air in your space. And there is no time that you need better quality air than when you're asleep. And that really hit me when I realized that for the first time. So I started to make sure that my room was going to support plants. And because the plants were supporting me, the plants were improving the quality of our life. So something as simple as just bringing a couple of plants in the room. Um, If you're looking for just one plant that thrives in low light, the other thing that plants do so well is they detoxify our environment. If you are someone who thinks, well, I can't keep plants, plants always die as soon as I bring them into the house, you might have a lot of toxins floating around in your air that the plants are just sucking up really quickly. Um, that <laughs> that has happened to me as well when I was um, doing a lot in my early 20s and doing a lot of painting and furniture refinishing in my house. And um, I was working with some pretty toxic chemicals and realizing that the fact that my plants were dying instantly um, was a pretty good indication that I needed to take my painting outdoors and not be doing it, you know, all across my kitchen. So plants are also the canary in the coal mine. They are the things that indicate how healthy your air is. So if you have to go through a couple of plants in order to get some that, you know, to get better, at keeping them most plants only especially if you're picking them up you know at the the big box stores um sometimes they cost as little as you know six to ten dollars um you know you can hardly get a 12 pack of of good water for that so it is a really good investment in the purification of the and the quality of air in your sleeping space. So invest in a couple of plants, have fun with them, put them in some fun planters and enjoy welcoming them into your bedroom. 
Let's talk a little bit more about detoxifying because there's a lot of things that we bring into our bedrooms that contribute to the toxification of that space. One is laundry detergent, fragranced laundry detergents. Um, that's really a fragranced laundry detergent is something that you don't want to use on your bedding. And I want to explain to you just quickly the difference between something that is fragrance free and something that is unscented. Just because something says that it is unscented, it does not mean it is without fragrance because there are things, there are chemicals that they can add to a fragranced detergent that make your nervous system, your body, not be able to detect the smell that is still there. And we all know, we've all seen the commercials, there's a ton of products on the market these days that it's so funny, the two most toxic products on our, you know, in our, especially in the United States, because they've been banned in a lot of other countries, are the things that make smells last longer. They're called phthalates. Um, they bind to different hormone receptors. They're terrible for um, developing girls. They contribute to anxiety, to depression, um, and to hormone imbalances um, because those same receptors that are supposed to be being used for all the good healthy hormones that's how, you know, that, that their bodies are producing, the um, these chemicals are bonding to that. So it feels like they have so many more hormones in their body than their bodies are actually producing. And then over time, your body starts producing less. So as they get older, it starts to contribute to a lot of the infertility issues that we see. Like I said, they've been banned in so many other countries. United States is one of the places where they actually don't even have to be on the label because they're disguised as this happy little word called fragrance. The other thing that is really toxic for us are things that eliminate our ability to sense odors. And you just think of it as, you know, it's it's cutting off that capability for us to use a really important sense that we need. And instead of eradicating the, uh, the odor, they just work by eliminating our ability to detect the odor. And those are really bad for our brain. And I feel like the more that they look at those, the more they're going, you know, the more and more damage that they're going to see that they're actually doing to our brain. So sometimes it's better to smell stink stinky socks than it is to not smell stinky socks. So anything that has the word fragrance is going to be disruptive to your physical system. So something that says it's fragrance free means that it can't contain any of the 120 chemicals that are banned in other countries that we are allowed to put in ours under this um, under this title of fragrance. So if something is unscented, it can still have fragrance in it. And you can look on the label, it's usually going to still say fragrance. Um, but there's also an extra chemical in there that's added to, and not all 
times, but it's in so much of the greenwashing that's done in our products, um, it's it's also you're going to also um, find they've just done something where you can't detect the fragrance. Something that is fragrance free. And if you've had any skin problems and works with a dermatologist, the dermatologists are really clear on this. Fragrance-free means that the product cannot contain any of those chemicals, often derivatives of petrochemicals. Um, it, they can't actually contain those things. So fragrance-free means that it doesn't have any of those chemicals. Unscented just means that your body can't detect the smell of the product. So that's important to know. So what things are going to have those? Um, candles, any scented candles that you've brought into your space. Try to avoid those at all costs unless they are, you know, completely natural and, and that doesn't mean they say natural on them they come from a source that you know and trust and the sources that you know and trust are not going to be any large major company um, because all of those are going to be for the most part petrochemical derived fragrances um, so anything scented any you know any candles um, the reeds down you know tucked down in um the solution um those are almost always um fragrances that you want to make sure that aren't they really shouldn't be anywhere in your house but most particularly in your bedroom um and air fresheners any chemical air freshener is something that you don't want in your sleeping space so we're going to talk about some solutions to that because obviously there are parts of your brain that you can stimulate into a sleep mode um, through smell, but you want to make sure that none of those smells are synthetic or artificial because they're not doing what you want them to do in your bodies. Electronics. This is really big in the feng shui world. Um, it's actually uh, most feng shui experts I know if they if you're hiring them to come in to help with your room, um, your bedroom in particular, they're going to make sure you get rid of all of the electronics in your room. And I'm not quite <laughs> that um, strict. Because if you're not having any problem sleeping and you fall asleep, you fall asleep quickly at night and you sleep through the night and you have a TV in your room that you watch occasionally, um, then you don't have an issue. But most people's nervous systems are already overstimulated and it is going to cause a problem. The biggest problem that electronics call, disrupt um, in your sleep is when you are in close proximity to them before bed. And that is the blue light. The longer you sit at a computer during the day, um, the longer you're on your phone, on your tablet, um, particularly if you're on your tablet right before bed or your phone right before bed, you're going to be 
affected by blue light. It's been shown that your exposure to blue light, particularly in the time before bed, is going to reduce your body's natural ability to make melatonin. So couple of different so one of the easiest ways to fix this especially if it's something that you can't help because of your work or because of what you do um, or because if it's a habit that you're not willing to change yet then blue light glasses are a great solution to that because you've already cut that interference point between you know the blue light and what's happening in your brain um, but any time that you can slow down the um, or eliminate any areas even if it's just by making one tiny change and having less exposure to blue light especially in the time before bed you're really going to help yourself sleep better and that being said um, most Again, feng shui experts will tell you you should not have your phone in your room. I know if you're like um, most of us who've gotten rid of our landlines, you know, if something were to happen in the middle of the night, um, we would want to be able to be contacted. So our cell phones are the only place that you can get a hold of us at this point. Um, making sure that you have it in a place that most of the sound is off only emergency numbers are able to ring through during, you know, especially the Apple phone right now, you have the ability to turn it into focus mode and then you can set emergency numbers. So if somebody needed to get to you in the middle of night, they'd have that access. But any way that you're eliminating um, just the electronic feedback coming in and out of your phone at night you want to put it as far away from you as you physically can which that helps from just picking it up if you were to wake up in the middle of the night um, the blue light if you wake up during the night is really the worst thing for helping you fall back asleep we seem to think that that's not the case but um because we've just gotten to a habit of sort of lulling ourselves back to sleep. But it's kind of like that baby that you have to run around in circles with or drive around in the car. It's almost like you're overstimulating your nervous system again to get it back to that point where it has no other choice but to fall asleep, which does not re result in restful sound sleep. So from a design perspective, one of the things that you can do to help you if you do wake up often at night and can't um, find a way to get back to sleep without reaching for electronics is if you install a swing arm light next to your bed. I love, and it's a beautiful design. Um, so many of them don't require an electrician these days. Um, they, you know, they, they look like the hotel lights where the cord just goes, you know, right down the wall in this nice little sheath that encloses it um, a th with a three-way switch. So you have a really low voltage light. And particularly if you use a warm light, um, the LED lights on the market these days come in so many different colors. You can choose one that's soft and warm 
and that's going to not interfere with your natural melatonin production. It's going to help you go back to sleep. So if instead of picking up your foot, your your book, if you just grab, you know, a pen and paper or um, the book that you have laying beside your bed, or maybe it's even a crossword puzzle book, something to just suit, you know, something to distract yourself from the thoughts that might keep you awake. And um, with a very, very, very dim low light to be able to just kind of soothe yourself right back to sleep. There's a couple other things that feng shui does other than electronics that are important to know if sleeping is something that you struggle with. We've talked about eliminating clutter already, but that's one of the most important things in terms of of feng shui. The next one is, um, is one that seems ridiculous. Um, If you've ever worked with a feng shui expert before, you'll know that it's something that they're pretty emphatic upon. And if we look at it from the standpoint of there's a, a, the large part of the back side of our brain, the part that's just over top of our spine, it's the part of our brain that's really, it's our reptilian brain. It's very similar to um, it just in structure and function to the brains of modern day reptiles and, and their ancestors. That part of your brain is the part of your brain that's always on high alert. It's even on alert when you're sleeping. And if you think of it like that, then you might understand this front, this very common feng shui principle a little bit better. You don't want your feet, the feet of your bed, facing the door. And again, I know it sounds like some hocus pocus, but especially when I've made this change in children's rooms or even adults I I mean it's I've had it happen so many times where they you know somebody brings me in and they say either my child can't sleep can you tell me what's going on here or you know we're just not comfortable in this room is there something we can change without redoing the room of all the things that I can do quickly (laughs) is moving the bed to make sure that it's in that location. And so many times when someone said to me, you know, they, you know, they, they said it with all the most, this, the, with this very emphatic tone, you could tell something was wrong. And in almost every situation, either it was one of two things. It was either the foot of the bed was right in, you know, facing the front door and sometimes you do have to get creative to move the room in a diff- you know, to rearrange the room in a different way. Or there was too strong color in the room. So that's sometimes an easy change, sometimes not so easy change, but an important thing to look at. And even if you don't believe it, um, 
it doesn't hurt to just move it and give it a shot because you might find that that's a quick way to get really good results. The third thing that's important to know about the feng shui is um, another one that sounds a little hokey, but it's um, it it works. And that's if you have a mirror facing your bed or like if you were to sit up, like physically sit up in your bed and be able to see yourself in the mirror, you want to move the mirror because just like that always activated part of your um, prefrontal cortex, um, your subconscious brain is the part of your brain that is the most active when you're asleep and anything reflected or any light reflected your brain is going to pick up on that as one of those things to help keep you safe so even when you're asleep and we've all had that experience when something happens and we're startled awake We want that. We want our brains to do that because that's what's protecting us. So those, um, the feet away from the bed and then no mirrors immediately surrounding or right next to the bed um, are, are changes. And almost every single bedroom suit that you buy comes with a dresser and a mirror attached. Um, If you need to make changes to where that mirror is, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to move the dresser. You might just need to do something about the mirror. And I have had people that actually, um, I did have one client who's really struggling with sleeping, no way to change this, loved her bedroom suit. She actually put a sheet over her mirror at night And she found extraordinary results just from draping the sheet over her mirror at night. So you do what you have to do to be happy. The next thing I want to move to is a nighttime routine. And I know we've, um, I know there's a lot of things in this episode and each one of them is important to think about. And just like going back to our kiddos and knowing that when you have a really good, well-established routine, it helps their nervous system calm down and get to the point where they can comfortably and quietly fall asleep in a way that's going to provide them with the best and most sustained sleep as we get busy and our lives become more involved and we get more involved with other people and their different places in our lives, it's, we lose that. We forget the value of that. So recreating your own nighttime routine for yourself is something that can have wonderful benefits. And if part of that nighttime routine involves maybe going upstairs five minutes before you normally do and spending that five minutes emptying that basket or hanging up the clothes that are on the chair, whatever it takes to make the room more conducive to sleep if you want to build that into your nighttime routine and enjoy 
that process and let that become part of your routine, um, it'll serve two purposes. Uh, Some other things that you can do as part of your nighttime routine is in the process of washing your face, integrating some essential oils that are going to have sleep inducing effects, um, as well as skin repair effects. Um, Frankincense is a wonderful oil for your skin. It's also a wonderful oil, um, especially if you pair it with cedar wood, which is naturally relaxing, or lavender, which has just an amazing ability to help you sleep. Pairing that, you know, pairing those things together, it's so funny when you look at the things that um, work well for one thing, how they you know, we know that the better our sleep is, you know, we've we've called it beauty sleep for as long as I can remember. The things that help us sleep better are also things that help our skin. Um, so it only makes sense that they would fall into the same, um, you know, it, into both of those categories. Um, for me, for us, because lavender is such a potent and powerful sleep aid, Um, I do as part of my nighttime routine is I start our diffuser that's in our room, our essential oil diffuser with, um, I have various oils that I rotate through, but I find that I always come back to my, my combination of lavender oil and copaiba. Both of those are naturally restful and relaxing and relax the nervous system. Copaiba might be something that you've never heard of before. If you're not really like in the essential oil world or in the, um, it's becoming more and more as um, they're experimenting with it as a post-surgical oil um, because it they found that it's very restorative and helps tissues heal faster post-surgery. Um, so some of the, you know, bigger and better cancer institutes and that they're um, they've been using it for a little bit and they've been you know studying its effects. Um, Copaiba is not in any way related to um, the the plants that produce CBD, but I mean, it's an entirely different species, an entirely different genus of plants, but the chemical constituents of copaiba act on those receptors that the CBD or the cannabis plants act on um, in a way that actually um, provides a lot of the same good benefits, but because it's an entirely different plant, it doesn't have any of you know the THCs or the mind-altering products or, or some of the other things that they've picked up in cannabis lately that aren't good for your health. So um, it ha- and the wonderful thing is it doesn't ever make you groggy. So what I do is I um, I start my diffuser with 
either the lavender and the copaiba, or I have another blend called Serenity, um, which I use. And um, then I sit and I rub my feet with a little bit of the lavender oil and the copaiba. And sometimes I might include, you know, a drop or two of something else just because it, you know, smells good and smells wonderful. And I do it right before I climb into bed. So those, those yummy oils are still on my hands and I just sort of fall asleep with my hands in front of my face. And when we moved into this house and I was having so much trouble sleeping because just all of the disarray the house was in, you know, my office was in, everything was wrong. That was sort of my saving grace. And then the one other thing that um, I did, that was the first time in a really long time that I created a solid bedtime routine. So if that meant making an herbal tea to drink before bed, um, if it had been a particularly hard day, I would fire up my cappuccino machine and I would steam some milk to go into that herbal tea and I would wash my face. I put a couple drops of frankincense and um, just some other oils that were really restorative to my skin and I would just spend some time, you know, just kind of luxuriating in that that process of cleaning my face, cleaning everything off of, you know, the day and um, enjoying my tea, going to bed, filling the diffuser, rubbing my feet and falling asleep. And it helped bring me back into balance. So even if there's a night or two where I didn't have time for my routine or I forgot to make time, um, I could still fall asleep pretty easily for even a couple nights in a row because my body had restored itself into that balance. And that's the most important thing about sleep is once you fall out of balance, it's the process of getting back into it that's so helpful and helps restore that natural flow of and that natural ability for your nervous system to um you know just to cope with the stress of the day and be able to diffuse it through sleep if you're having really great sleep at night the other part of the nighttime routine that i find really valuable is and it's also a good substitute for, especially if you're in the habit of, you know, watching TV to fall asleep, is read, write, or meditate, pray. You can substitute prayer for meditation. I kind of do a combo, a meditation prayer sort of, meditation prayer gratitude sort of, um, mantra to myself before I go to bed. Um, so reading, this goes back to that the swing arm light or providing yourself with a lamp beside your bed that you can reach easily. And that's on a three-way dimmer where you can, um, you know, you can read on a low light. Um, that's going to help make you sleepier when you read. Um, if you're it, taking courses and you have to power through three chapters uh, it's, it's best not to do it before you read um, and you want to do it on a brighter light but if you're reading as a um, 
to calm your nervous system before falling asleep, you want to do it with a dim light because that's going to help um, facilitate the process. Writing. Writing is a great way if you have a busy, busy mind that just wants to rehash so many different things that happen to you during the day and, um, you know, try to recreate scenarios in your mind that might have worked out better or if you have a full plate tomorrow writing is a great way putting it on paper naturally signals to your body to let it go and so if you struggle with letting go of things at the end of the night whether it's um, a conversation with a person or things that you have to do things that are still on your to-do list just the act of writing about it is going to help let it go Um, and for me that then translates into a meditated graduate um, gratitude prayer of just letting go and knowing there's nothing I can do about it, you know, during those few hours. And if there is something that might come to me, let it come to me in a dream and let me process it there and let me understand it better there because thinking about it isn't going to get me to that place. And ending your day in gratitude is the best no matter what kind of day you had ending your day with just thoughts on what made it a good day helps facilitate sleep no matter what else is going on so i'm just going to quickly recap some of the herbs and some of the oils that Um, can be helpful for falling asleep because that might be something that you haven't experienced before. Um, There's a couple of different ways to use them. First of all, you know, herbs, we can do a tea before bed. I don't have any specific ones to recommend to you. Um, One of the reasons for that is so many nighttime teas have chamomile in them. And uh, chamomile gives me crazy dreams, like crazy out-of-body experience dreams. So I, I know that for me, finding teas that work for me before bed was a process of um, experimentation and elimination, and I encourage you to do the same. So go to, um, there's some great online resources. Um, In the grocery store, I recommend looking for your teas in the organic section as opposed to the main section because a lot of times you find exactly what you find in you know the supplements that you find in the grocery stores the fragrances that you know the the pro the body products that you find in the grocery stores um, you're going to find things that are adulterated and they're not exactly what they say they are on the label because there's no fda regulation for them so Um, in the organic section, you're more likely to find products that are what they say they are or the health food section, if that's what your grocery store has. Um, if you have a, um, a holistic food store, I mean, whole foods is, is pretty much that. Um, but if you have more of, a store run by an herbalist and you have the ability to chat with somebody who's knowledgeable um, and you can describe 
your trouble sleeping or your, you know, what you experience going to sleep, they can help recommend herbs or maybe even blend some for you specifically to help you get to that place. But I always recommend just starting with some that you can try and then, um, you know, a couple nights in a row and see what happens and see if that's right for you or if it's not right for you. I, I tend to um, buy just organic lavender flowers and a blend with some, um, some lemongrass and a, a couple other things that I sort of throw in there to make it taste good, like some organic rose petals. Um, I find for me that works best, but um, th- there are a couple of commercially available teas that I like as well. Um, Again, sometimes I want to have those crazy dreams, so I'll grab one with some chamomile. But for the most part, if I'm just looking to get back to um, that homeostasis of good sleep, I, I tend to grab something that I know works well for me. Um, oils that help you calm and relax. There's actually a number of them because a lot of them have that, um, they work directly on your, you know, they work directly within your nervous system and they work for a very, very short period of time. So if you're putting them on your body, like I said, when you were, you know, doctoring up your face cream so that it helps or doing a a foot massage or a hand massage before you go to bed on yourself or your partner. It's also a nice way to um, involve your partner, especially if they have trouble sleeping as well. Um, For me, lavender and copaiba work the best. Um, Cedarwood is also wonderfully relaxing. It's also a little bit more of a masculine scent. So sometimes I know um, at first when I was using oils in the diffuser at night, my husband complained a little bit because he said they they smelled flowery. There's some um, cypress oils and some spruce oils that have a very calming grounding effect. You can also put a couple drops on your pillow if, again, you know, your partner isn't crazy about having a diffuser running. Um, I think you'll find over time, though, as as you expose them to them, they become more and more receptive to that. Uh, So I use a blend called Northern Escape, um, which is a little bit more, it smells like the forest. Um, and you know how good it feels to be in the forest. So I can use that with a little bit of lavender. And then if we have any other issues coming up, um, you know, like somebody's congested or, you know, somebody's tummy doesn't feel very good, um, I can blend those in as well. But those are the basics of what we use. Um, and so leading into that, I do have a sleep study that is coming up if, if you really need help in this area. And I've run this a couple of times with um, the people that I get my essential oils from. I do get all of my essential oils at this point from uh, doTERRA, unless there's something specifically that they do not have and I need to find an alternate source. But I am going to be participating in this sleep study and as a part of that, for the very first time since I've started to do this, I'm going to be giving design support to help you facilitate 
your sleeping habits with your sleeping biology. Um, I'm really excited about that. So this case study runs for 10 days. It starts on July 17th. Um, so it, I, you need to sign up by July 12th. How do you do that? You head over to the podcast web page. So innereyespodcast.com forward slash episode 47. So episode 47, all one word. And you will find a, um, a link there to sign up for the study, the case study. Um, I have space left to enroll 10 more participants. Um, so you want to head over there and you want to get there pretty, pretty quickly. Um, the only thing you need to do during this 10-day case study is use the oils that we send. And there is a couple of different informational seminars. Um, there's a Zoom to start to show, tell you how to use your oils. There's a Zoom to end um, just to make sure you were, um, everything, you know, worked the way that you, and anything else you might need to know about what you did. And then um, there's support all the way along. And like I said, for the very first time, I'm going to be offering design support um, during this time just to make sure that everything is in alignment so that you're able to get the quality and quantity of sleep that you're looking for. Now this particular case study includes four different topics. So there's a sleep study, there's a pain study, there's a digestive study, and there's an anxiety study. Um, I have had some some people go through it in the anxiety um, study. I've had some people go through it in the sleep study and find results um, and then use some of the anxiety products because they felt that they would, they would get even more results. I've had some people go through the anxiety study because um, they felt like that was the principal reason that they weren't sleeping and then just start to incorporate because some of the oils do cross over because again, like we said, this is... Um, um, this is restoring balance to our neurological system, to our central nervous system, so that we can uh, function in the best way possible. So if you have any questions, um, please DM me on Instagram. That's the best way to be able to start this conversation. If it's something you think you might be interested in um, and you have some questions before you sign up, um, or if you just want to sign up, just head over there to InHerEyesPodcast.com forward slash episode 47 and um and we'll get some yummy oils out to you completely free of charge for you to try um and i'm really excited about this because i love sharing this goodness um so if there's anyone that you know that needs this episode my friend please share it with them otherwise have a wonderful week's sleep let me know how it goes, and I will see you here next week. Take care. Thank you for joining me here today on the In Her Eyes podcast. If you heard something today that resonated or helped you move forward on your design vision, please head over to the platform you get your podcasts and subscribe. And it would mean the world to me for you to leave me a rating and review. The complete instructions for doing that are on the In Her Eyes podcast website. 
That's InHerEyesPodcast.com forward slash review. And while you're there, be sure to grab my bedroom project planning workbook. It's the step-by-step guide to designing a room on any budget that truly supports your needs, your style, your habits, and you or your daughter will love coming home to, whether you're seven or 77. And it's my gift to you for tuning in. And if you have an idea for a podcast episode, something that you're struggling with, or something that you'd like to hear more about, please fill out the form on the bottom of the page. I personally read every single submission. If it's something that I feel confidently that I can speak to and help you with, I'll absolutely create something that will help you out. And if it's something that I feel like someone else can guide you better, I will guide you to that person, I promise. Have a beautiful day, my friend. Until next week.